0: And you're listening to The Cozy Sleuth. Today, Snoops and Sleuths, we're chatting with author Josie McCade about her books, writing, and all things cozy. Josie, would you like to introduce yourself and your books to my Snoops and Sleuths?
1: I sure would. Thank you so much for having me here today. I really appreciate it. As she said, my name is Josie McCade, and I've written quite a few books, mostly that are in the uh, cozy mystery genre, and all of my books, much like me, are filled with snark and a sense of humor. (laughs) I can't take anything too seriously most of the time, so it it does help some days, and other days it's kind of embarrassing to my family, so.
0: (laughs) But sometimes that snark makes for a great, cozy character. It does. It really does. So is any of your writing inspired by your actual life? Actually, it is. My
1: latest series and my best-selling series is called Mason-Dixon Mysteries. And obviously, I'm taking a play on the old Mason-Dixon line. And um, it truly is. I Most of my family is from the southern United States. And although I was born north of the line, I laugh and call myself my family's token Yankee. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, but I spent a lot of summers and so forth with family, you know, in the south and I always laugh that I can go just as easily from y'all to you guys in the same sentence because I was I spent so much time on both sides of that Mason Dixon line. And having done that is where the idea for the series came from. And it um Interesting. It's probably my characters are a little too stereotypical, but it does show that division sometimes that we have with different parts of the country and names that we call things or um, how we use a slang expression. So it's,
0: it's been very fun to write. It sounds like it was a lot of fun to write. (laughs) (laughs) So... Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. My brain just wandered. Oh, no, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I live in a very
1: rural area on some acreage we affectionately call Dust Bunny Farm, so occasionally this internet is not all it's cracked up to be.
0: (laughs) I may have to come to you for some advice. I've got a character in one of my books that has a ranch, so... Well, I'm not a rancher. Oh, I mean yeah, well. <laughs> I,
1: I we I grow veggies and we have a little, you know, farm area, but if if I had to depend on ranching or farm to eat or make a living, I'd pretty well starve to death. So <laughs> I leave that up to the experts. I just kind of <laughs> nod politely. I probably what I know about ranching and major, you know, big farming would fit into a thimble. So <laughs> but i grow great carrots and cucumbers <laughs>
0: <laughs> so do you have any advice for those who would want to write their own cozies or just write in general
1: um probably the biggest advice that i could give was some of the best that i received and it was write. very simply one word period Write. um Every time you write, like any other profession, every time you do a job, every time you write a book, you get, hopefully, a little bit better at it. And there's many people who have stories in their head, but it's difficult to get them from your head, to your hand, to your pen, to a paper, or a laptop. So my advice would be, any time that you have a few minutes to write, or you have the desire to write, then write. Um, many times. I not only write cozy mysteries, I am also a nonfiction writer for many major national magazines. And I can't tell you how many times I've written in the car. I've written at my kids band practice. I've written in the doctor's office. I've actually written under the hairdryer while getting my hair highlighted. You know, (laughs) anytime that I have an opportunity to write, I write. I mean, I I can a lot of my vegetables and stuff at home, and my laptop or notebook is sitting on the counter. So every time I'm pressure canning, which takes a a substantial amount of time, then I sit there and I fill in that time with writing. So if you have that desire and you have those characters, those little voices in your head that won't (laughs) leave you alone, then sit down and write. I don't care what genre it is. And even if you never get published, you've written a book. Even if you write it, and you decide, I don't want to send it out there into the world, you still accomplish more than 90% of people who want to write a book. That's so true.
0: And <laughs> it's the greatest advice you can get, but it's also the hardest advice to follow, at least in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. still that you look at that blank screen, and there's just something intimidating about the blank screen. Or the blank piece of paper, or whatever you're using to write on. That it's, it's just kind of like, what do I do? <laughs> That's true. I,
1: I've, I've never felt so much intimidated by the blank piece of paper, although, what was it? Hemingway said, just put down, you know, put a piece of paper in the typewriter and slit your wrist and bleed on it. <laughs> um, my intimidation comes from when I want to send it out is it good enough? you know, I have those moments where I don't have any problem writing it, but I kind of work myself into a frenzy going, is, is it good enough? Will people like it? Is the comma in the right place? Are these characters stupid? So at the end of my project is where my anxiety comes in versus at
0: the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it's both and. It's like and that, yeah, that, yeah that can be too. <laughs> where that beginning is intimidating because you're like, You want to find that great one first line that's going to hook your reader. And then once it's done, you're like, oh my gosh, did I make the right choice sending it off? Is it good enough? Is it, you know, all those nasty little thoughts that come.
1: Oh, that's true. I think so. And, and, you know, it kind of goes with any endeavor in your life. If somebody gives you a criticism You remember that criticism, and it just sort of gut punches you. You can get three hundred compliments, but that three hundred and first criticism—that's the one that sticks with you. Yep. Any any performer, whether you're a writer, any creative, um, and and I and in any other profession too, if you're an architect, mechanic, you name it, you you know, you want to have your work appreciated. And hey, good job, you know, add a boy, pat on the back. And most of the time, even if we get a a large amount of that. We just remember the one time when maybe we messed up or that person didn't like it. And it, it kind of come, I think it compounds more in creative people. We, we really take it to heart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do. It's, it's, that criticism can be hard and it's also hard not to get that fight response sometimes when you let that criticism hit where it's like, Wait a minute, let me explain why this didn't go that well or something like that, you know, kind of you get defensive a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think there's times I've gotten defensive and there's times that it's just, you know, made me cry. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh, I was that bad. And I think I've done it so long at this point, especially in the non-fiction world because it seems to get a lot sometimes more criticism I think than my fiction world. I've just like, okay, that's your opinion and walk away and You know, I know many people in the entertainment industry and they're like, we don't, we just don't read reviews because you can't, you would never walk out on stage or make another movie or et cetera, et cetera, again. Um, Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know because I do look at those reviews. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, I'm like, that part of me goes, well, what do you know? I mean, seriously, what do you read, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know with my first ever review, and Amazon, okay, I got like two, three reviews. Two of them, great. One of them, horrible. And that horrible one keeps sticking in my mind. It was my first ever book. They called it A Crime Against Literature. And of course, Amazon did a wonderful, thorough cleaning of any reviews that might have come from friends family or whatever and that crime against literature one was the one that stayed oh of course and the only review that book has and it's like really oh i had two really good reviews that would convince people to get this book and you left that one
1: (laughs) well i remember one of my first books i was with the publisher i'm now primarily indie um And the criticism that they gave me a one-star rating on Amazon, and that one-star rating was because apparently them and the publisher I was with at the time had some sort of an argument with each other about credit for the cover. So they gave me as the author a one-star review because they were having an argument with my publisher over the cover.
0: Nice. (laughs) <laughs> and
1: I'm like, really? Um, you know, and then I've had a few that they, oh, I found a typo. So I, I don't like typos. So I won't buy another one of her books. So I, and I'm like, okay. I mean, I work and strive. I mean, I have editors, I have beta readers, I have an art team. So I strive very hard to make sure it is error free. But you, you can read a John Grisham or a Stephen King and find errors in them. It's just the nature of the beast. But i 'm sad that someone myself as a reader because I am a voracious reader. I mean, a little mistake like that wouldn't even win to me if I liked the story. I mean, it wouldn't even register for me. Oh, they forgot to capitalize this word, and then I'd just keep right on reading. But it would not influence me as a reviewer or a reader unless it was really flagrantly you know bad and paragraphs were mixed up or something that way.
0: yeah um one of my favorite authors, uh, Lillian Jackson Braun. Mm-hmm. Um, I must have read her books like three or four times before I noticed that in the first book it's supposed to be a that they pull into a character's one car garage, but there's a typo in it. It says one ear garage. <laughs> <laughs> But you just read right over that, didn't you? Oh yeah, I just read right. I just read right over that, and yeah. it didn't bother me. But there's a thing I saw on Facebook once that said, "To all the typos that make it through six editors, four beta readers, all the stuff, I salute you." <laughs> I
1: know. <laughs> That's very very true. <laughs>
0: just kind of like, if you've survived all the stuff that we tried to eliminate you with, we salute you. I know. And there's some really tough topos out there, I'm telling you. They're like the Rambo of the typo world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so do you have a favorite character, or would you get in trouble with your other characters?
1: Oh, I might get in trouble. In the Mason-Dixon series, I'll briefly give you a synopsis of it. Um, there are two women in their late 20s. And they live. One of them lives in a small town outside of Huntington, uh, Huntsville, Alabama, and the other one lives in Boston, Massachusetts. Therein comes the Mason-Dixon. They uh, are both being have been raised by single parents. The one in Boston by her mother, the one in Alabama by her father, and both of them have been told all of their life that the other parent was deceased. So, on the same day, which they don't find out till later, both parents die and a day or two after the funeral each one of these girls gets a letter to go to an attorney's office in Washington DC to settle their parent estate to which they laughingly chide because their parents didn't have an estate and uh, when they get there they find out they are actually not only sisters but their twin sisters and their parents had separated them because of something in their past that They have no idea what it is. Well, they are also the target of some assassin. They get thrown into a very off-the-books witness protection program, and in order to find out, try finding out the truth about their parents. They decide, over a pitcher of margaritas, that they should start a private investigation firm. They're sent to this house in Virginia Beach, which is this major, beautiful house on the beach. And they're like, wow, I mean, our parents must have been doing something to get a house like this. Um, So, and what they find out is there's actually even a caretaker to the property. So they're pretty, and he's pretty much of a hottie. And in the basement is a hacker that's hiding out and is being chased down and hunted by Russian gangsters and has a wanted poster on the dark net. So... Uh, they all start forming a friendship. And on a walk down the beach, the one sister, it's Emmy uh, Mason and Jackie Dixon, and a dead body washes up on her. And they see a lot more in this body than the police that come to investigate. So that solidifies their desire to be private investigators. And every time they get close to a little more information through subsequent books about their parents, another dead body falls into their life. Oh,
0: wow. That just sounds so great. Oh, thank you.
1: (laughs) Um, so both of the characters, I mean, Emmy being from the South, she's she's all pink and girly and likes NASCAR and, you know, is friendly with everybody. And, uh, Emmy or Jackie being from the North is more, um, designer clothes and a little more aloof in personality. And she's the one that likes to string curse words together where the, you know, Emmy's <laughs> like, you do not have to say that cup all the time. Um, so <laughs> And in their their backgrounds, uh, you know, the, uh, growing up, I mean, Emmy is actually an architect and uh, Jackie in Boston. She has an MBA from Harvard, so she was very high in, you know, the corner office and a business before her life got turned upside down. So they're both, both have interesting pasts that come into play in the books many times.
0: Oh, I, <laughs> I just love hearing about these characters. I haven't even read the book yet. Yeah. I now want to rush out and get <laughs> oh books. well, thank you.
1: They've just been a lot of fun to write, and you know, and and using the different verbages from each end of the country has been a lot of fun. It's in the opening. I'll give you this one. They're they're driving, they're running from bad guys, and Jackie Boston looks at her and goes, "Hit it, bang a Yui <laughs> and Of course, Emmy's like, "You want me to bang a what?" And, like, <laughs> and so that's where their their differences come in. So. Oh,
0: they just sound like great characters. They are. They're very fun. <laughs> I actually have some fun with, I guess you could say differences in one of my books. My, I have a, like I mentioned before, I have a character who's a rancher. The books are called the Mystic Ranch Mysteries. Oh. And the main characters, in, all the characters in the book are mythical creatures, uh, the main character is an elf, well, she ends up renting her property to this guy who comes from a wealthy family, has never lived on a farm before in his life, <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, the opening of that book, he's driving to town, and he happens to see, um, he happens to get a little bit of road rage at the car in front of him, who's going a little slow, honks <laughs> at it. And an alpaca sticks its head out the passenger side window <laughs> and basically looks like it just put a curse on him. And he's
1: just like, What the
0: heck? Oh, that's too
1: funny. I like that. Coming from a person who's had goats in her backseat, I can relate to this.
0: <laughs> that sounds like fun. And it's. It's just kind of fun that it's like, okay, here are these two people who could not come from further ends of the spectrum, and they're going to come together and help solve this crazy mystery of who killed the gnome on the main character's property.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But that could be fun. I just want to know if the elf can wave his wand and automatically clean the stalls.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but she can join her senses to her animals. Ah. who, like, when they first find the gnome, again, I'm going to give a little bit out there, listeners. Um, The first thing she notices is that her animals are getting fidgety. So she joins her senses with the goat that she's taking up to this field and says they smell death. They smell predator. You know, just kind of this vague hint that something is not right no that sounds interesting i like that because i like anything with animals in it anyways (laughs) (laughs) and there are a lot of animals in this series i'm currently working on book two where the main character goes to an event kind of like here in denver we have the national western stock show yes i've been there oh well then
1: My my sister and her husband were very involved with horses and the Cattlemen's Association and stuff. So I've gotten it by osmosis. <laughs>
0: awesome. I I have yet to go, and I would love to go one day. But basically, she goes to an event like the stock show. I called it the Rocky Mountain Ranchers Expo or something like that, and uh-huh. she finds herself targeted by a bookie who has some bets going on on the rodeo events. Ah, okay. So she has to solve the mystery of who killed this bookie.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that sounds like fun. And anything to do with rodeo, I'm there. So
0: <laughs> so, so back to the interview. Let's <laughs> talk sure, about me, like more about really you. My nice sidetrack, yeah. <laughs> uh, what author has most influenced your writing? Oh, my goodness. I don't know that there would be one.
1: <laughs> I have a whole plethora of authors um, that I've read since I was a kid. So it, it would be very, I, I don't know that I could pick one out. Um, I'm a big fan of Mark Twain. I liked his snarky sense of humor. Janet Ivanovich, you know, I'm i am really kind of drawn to that. Um, but mostly, honestly, I have to say primarily what I read is thrillers. I love thrillers, the James Rollins and Vince Flynn and Brad Thor and Clive Cussler. I read a lot of thrillers which have no humor in them. (laughs) But I'm the one, you know, I'm the perfect date because I'd look at the guy and go, no, I don't want to see the princess bride. I want to go see Bourne. (laughs) (laughs) But when it comes to writing, I, you know, I, I don't like to write that dark. I like to read that dark, but I don't like to write that dark, so.
0: Yeah, we tend to go in ways opposite of what we like to read sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Now, I love to read sci-fi, fantasy, and cozy mysteries. So I'm not a huge example of that, because I like to just blend (laughs) those genres together. Uh Uh-huh. And I love science
1: fiction, well, space science fiction. I am a big Star Wars, Star Trek, anything to do with space fan, sci-fi.
0: Yeah. Yeah, actually, that was one of my first ventures into the writing world was Star Wars fan fiction. Was it? Yeah. I quickly left that train when one of my friends, who is a bigger Star Wars fan than me, like, uh, (laughs) she used to call herself Princess Leia. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how big a Star Wars fan she was. Um she looked at my fan fiction and told me I got this character wrong, this character wrong, this character wrong. Then just flat out turned and told uh, uh, asked me, "Why don't you write your own stuff?" <laughs> and so here you are because of that friend, right? <laughs> yeah, she had no idea what she was setting me up for. <laughs> But yeah, with our reading choices, it's kind of funny. You can either go the absolute opposite of what you like to write, or in some cases you can just try and blend them and hopefully work. <laughs>
1: That's true. I have a, you know, I just finished up book four in Mason Dixon and I, I, I finished the story itself. I don't like leaving my readers with a cliffhanger, but I do like leaving an opening for subsequent books. Um, because I want the story resolved in that book. I'm a, as a reader, too, I'm like, do not make me buy the next book to figure out who did this. Um, but I have two books already finished for a subsequent series, and I'm, I'm contemplating, because they're science fiction, they're space science fiction, but they're snarky, humorous space It's like space. It's like Star Trek Enterprise picks up the gang from Spaceballs.
0: I'm like... <laughs> Oh my gosh, that sounds <laughs> great <laughs> again.
1: So, but I'm like, I don't know. I've written Cozy Mystery for so long, I'm not sure if my readers are ready for that drastic of a change. You could always go with a pen name. That's true, I could. I'm like, well, but it's almost like having to rebuild brand all over again. So sometimes oh.
0: that's, you know.
1: Yeah, I hear you on
0: that one. Yeah. I, I went on a, under a pen name for some children's books I wrote. Mm-hmm. and. A, all I did for a pen name was I switched my first name backwards so it sounded a little bit more, you know, children's book friendly and I became Anna Lee. Uh Well, then I looked on Amazon and it turns out there was another Anna Lee there and she does not write children's books, not in the Uh slightest. (laughs) Gotcha. Yep. (laughs) So you got to be careful with that too. <laughs> yes you do. Yes you do. On many levels. <laughs> so how are your how are you and your family coping with the pandemic? Um actually
1: quite well. We're very blessed because we live in a rural area. So um you know, I don't have to tread out into the real world except sporadically. Um <laughs> And, you know, since we have, you know, neighbors and farms and stuff around this area, I'm not wanting for anywhere to walk. I'm just lazy. Um, (laughs) uh, So we're doing quite well. Probably the biggest issue I have is um, I have two daughters who are both married. And. One of my daughters and her husband, they are both first responders. They're both paramedic firefighters, and she is an RN. So there's that, you know, mama worry because they're on the front lines. But fortunately, we're in a small town area. And even though we do have cases in the area, it's not as much as it is in in more uh, city setting. So that's helpful. Uh, but still, you know, me and Miss Claire all are going to have a really good time together. I should just <laughs> buy stock in the company. So, <laughs> but otherwise, fortunately, we've been very blessed by God, and and all of us are healthy. So,
0: yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, I'm. We're kind of the same way with my family. We're we're not venturing out as much as other people in town, and. Yeah that's fine. We get our groceries delivered. It's, it's, and for being an author and podcaster for me, life has not changed that much.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pretty introverted myself. I spend a lot of time alone writing books, crafting stories, et cetera. Um, I think the biggest thing is my husband and I both absolutely love to camp. Uh, we have a small camper, and this year has really, we've not been able to go, and I think we're we're both pretty bummed about that, but it is what it is, and I'd rather just stay home and wait till the world hopefully becomes a little healthier and, and uh, take our time rather than take a risk with us or with someone else, so.
0: Yeah, that's very, very wise thinking. It's yeah. better to just try and stay safe and then take a risk and risk getting either yourself or others sick out there.
1: Right. I think the biggest thing is, is that since we've been home so much, you know, we've gotten that honey do list caught up quite a bit, the wood split and stuff painted and this mowed down and that. And I'm going, I really don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) You know, it looks really good marking projects off, but I'm like, crap, I didn't realize we had
0: as much to do. I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> well wow. We we're over time. I usually try oh, for I'm a 15 sorry. minute show. Oh no, no problem. I usually try I for a minute 15 minutes, but <laughs> hey, there's no need to apologize. I was having a lot of fun talking with you. Oh, I
1: was too. Thank
0: you. So do you have any closing words of advice?
1: Um If you ever get called to a lawyer's office in Washington, D.C. and realize you have a twin sister there, run. (laughs) Don't start in a PI agency. Don't pass. Go. Don't collect $200. Run. (laughs) Uh, Just enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the words. Enjoy the characters. And enjoy the process.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Easier said than done. (laughs) sometimes easier said than done, but that's great advice all the way around. Thanks for being on the show, Josie.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. I had a great time and I can't wait to dig into your books. They sound like way too much fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you've heard it here, Snoops and Sleuths. We've had another great interview here on the Cozy Sleuth. I'd like to thank my patron, Regina, for becoming a Guiding Clue number and helping us meet our goals of staying commercial free and growing. I'd also like to thank my Coffee Clutch for helping us meet our goals. If you'd like to be like Regina or my Coffee Clutch, join us on patreon.com thecozy sleuth or coffee.com, that's k o hyphen fi.comslash thecozy sleuth, where your contributions will help us keep our show commercial free. Until next time, this is Leanna Shield saying, Keep Cozy, and always remember to check us out on Twitter at The Cozy Sleuth.